Welcome to The Table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your lifespan? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who seek all these things, and indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Told you, this is like the one passage that Jesus talks about belongings or money. That is, you know, sweet. It's a very sweet one. Or maybe it's not. (laughs) So we are currently in a sermon series um, entitled uh, The Church Just Wants My Money, um, which is a sermon series about myths about money in the Bible. And... um, And today, um, we are in week three of it. And did you hear it? It said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be given to you as well. Like, this is an iconic verse. 
I, and I, iconic verses like this one are, are those we memorize early in life, maybe, if you were a churchgoer and recite late in life, they come back to us later. They're the kind of verse that get inside of us. It will actually be the verse that I have you memorize for this series. So it can whisper to us again and again the wisdom of some alternative reality. Verses like this one are like our favorite song, even. We never get tired of singing the chorus of it. Like, and, and God said there was light, and there was light. You know, that's one of those good ones that we never forget. Or the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Another one of those good ones we never forget. Or have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. That's another one we love from the Psalms. Or nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Or seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be given to you. It falls in this list, that verse. There is, of course, though, a danger to iconic verses like this. The words can become so common to us that we don't allow their dramatic claims to shock us anymore, to surprise us anymore. We stitch them into pillows or we put them on refrigerator magnets next to family photos and the grocery lists and the phone numbers of pharmacists and doctors and things like that. And the danger is that when we become so familiar with the photos on our fridge, we don't even see the magnets or the message anymore in them. And in our daily routines, we become inoculated to their, their promises and we forget the, a fundamental truth that, it, that these words are life. And so we have to work at going back to these verses again and again with some kind of second naivety. So that's what we're going to do today. We need to whisper them to ourselves under our breath because like a compass, maybe they can orient us today. So let's settle down in this verse today and shake it free of its kind of refrigerator magnet status. And let's start with the first part. Seek first the kingdom of God. This is Jesus's unsettling invitation whispered into the ear of the world that is accepted as, as the beauty to power the soul. That when it touches us, it stirs those unnamed longings in all of us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all shall be given to you. That's this invitation that, that makes a shocking promise and it promises a life of freedom from worry and from anxiety. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be given to you. And so here we pause. For in this invitation is inherently the fact that other invitations out there are vying for our attention. It assumes there are other things vying for our attention. To seek first the kingdom of God means we can't seek out other things, right? Jesus knows there are other kingdoms out there that call for our primary allegiance, which is why I imagine Jesus' invitation to seek the expansive kingdom of God comes on the heels of warnings. Did you hear them that expose all of those captive imaginations and desires and loyalties? Did you hear them before Jesus invites us to seek first the kingdom of God this morning? No one can serve two masters, he says, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and wealth. It's no 
It's no coincidence that Jesus brings up wealth before he talks about the kingdom. Therefore, do not worry about this life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. I can't, and I can't read these warnings that Jesus gives about wealth and about what you will wear, about what you will eat. I can't read them without thinking of my, my very first memory of church, or maybe my very first serious lesson about God. I was four years old, and we had just moved to Chesapeake from Ohio, and I remember us visiting this white clapboard Baptist church somewhere in Chesapeake. I don't know exactly where it was. It may not have even been in Chesapeake. I remember there were being, being lots of steps going up to this church, into the sanctuary, and I remember pews looking really dark and the smell of dried pine saw and and the fuzzy light coming in through the stained glass in this little church. And I thought, like, so this is church. This is what church is. I remember thinking that this place is important. This is where God lives. What I remember most clearly is my mom giving me a dollar. And I remember as a four-year-old, a dollar being like seal. I don't know if I had ever actually held like money before that moment. I don't know, that was the first memory I had, but I liked it. <laughs> I liked holding it. And so much so I remember how it felt, how it felt in my hands, crisp and like clean even. Holding it, I, it felt so important to be holding that dollar. And I liked that feeling. And so my mom gave me the dollar and said, when the time comes, I'll tell you when. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what to do with it in that moment. Well, I know what I wanted to do with it. I wanted to keep it. It was mine. <laughs> Holding it, I could, I could hear a voice whispering inside of me, it's mine. <laughs> Dollar bill. I remember sitting in the sanctuary and I remember singing, and I don't remember the sermon at all, which is, <laughs> let's be honest, y'all never remember the sermon. I do remember, the shiny bronze plate though, with the like red felt bottom in it coming my way. I remember that. And it was passed sideways down the pew, right to left, person to person, and when it got to me, the plate stopped, and my mom finally whispered, put the dollar in the plate. <laughs> and I looked at her, and my confused innocence quickly turned into shrewd indifference. Shrewd defiance, not indifference, defiance. <laughs> and I shook my head. And, and I was like, no, 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 no. She said, did she just say put this in? And, and so in a loud voice that called attention to our pew, I said, no, it's mine. <laughs> and my mom said, it's not yours. It's God's. And I remember releasing my like greedy grasp and letting the dollar go into the, the plate, onto the red felt. And I remember watching that plate as my, my dollar disappeared <laughs> down the pew. And that was my first lesson in, in Christian theology. <laughs> it's not mine. It's God's. And God and I were getting, 
we're get, we're, we weren't getting off to a very good start. He just stole my dollar. <laughs> so I remember the next week rolled around and my, my mom didn't give me a dollar this time because that didn't go well the first time. And our, our family sat in the pew again and I kept thinking about my dollar the whole time I was in church the next week. What happened to it? I wonder what happened to it. Where did it go? Did it miss me? <laughs> and, of course, the moment came in the service, the same routine, and we sang and we, we listened and we sat, and then it came time for the offering, and the bronze plate with the, the red felt was passed through the church again, sideways down the pew, person to pew, person until it came to me. I didn't have a dollar to put in. But something miraculous happened. I tell you, it was like the Red Sea parting or Jesus walking on water was like a miracle. There it was at the bottom of the bronze plate, my dollar. <laughs> Just where I had left it the week before. And I jumped up in the pew and I grabbed the dollar bill out of the plate and held it up in the air like I had won a prize. My dollar, God gave my dollar back to me. Thus began my like, illustrious life as a preacher, right? <laughs> uh, for some reason, shortly after that, we never went back to that Baptist church. <laughs> um, it's my dollar. I didn't, I didn't know it at the time, but I was, I was paraphrasing the dominant philosophy and economy theory of of a whole other kingdom. It's my dollar. It was as if already at the age of four I had doubts that God would or could provide. Already at four years old. By natural instinct I presumed a kingdom of scarcity. I grasped the dollar out of the offering plate because deep down I thought there might not be enough to go around. Honestly, I can't, I can't help but think that maybe the reason we are in many of the messes we are in <laughs> is that a whole lot of other people failed to, to listen to their mothers in church and thought those dollars were theirs. You see, I think my mom was trying to teach me, or she really was just giving me something to keep me busy in the pew, right? But she was trying also, for a four-year-old, as much as you can teach her, teach her, teach me what Jesus was trying to teach that afternoon on the hillside, overlooking the Sea of Galilee, a truth so fundamental to ignore it is to put our soul in peril almost. The truth is, is, isn't even about money. Nor is it about clothes or food. It's not even about our life. It's, it's more fundamental than that. It is a truth about God. A truth about what God has done and is doing and is, is still yet to do. That God can be trusted to provide. My giving my, away my dollar, my mom was, was trying to teach me what was so fundamental to Jesus that the, the kingdom of God cannot be grasped, it, cannot, it can only be received as a gift. That's what the kingdom of God is. 
To receive this kingdom as a gift is to be given the gift to see reality with whole new eyes. Jesus invites us into this alternative imagination, which is God's imagination. And this imagination wagers that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of abundance that transcends our presumed limits. Jesus whispers, this kingdom is the real world. This is the real world. And the kingdom of scarcity, well, (laughs) it's a lie we presume based on the expectations of our society. The vision of scarcity is a consequence of our turning away from God that that demands of us that, that we buy stock in a system that pays empty dividends over and over again. The kingdom of scarcity is a myth that God's creation can't take care of us, that the creator helps only those who help themselves. So so we worry and we hedge our bets and Jesus whispers, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be given to you. And with a whisper, Jesus shatters our perceived reality again and again. Jesus whispers to us an alternative kingdom that promises God's kingdom is generative, that that God speaks, that God gives, that God creates, that God blesses. Jesus' invitation whispers that the God of Israel is the condition and the consequence that leads to life. So don't worry. Don't, Don't be anxious. God can be trusted. Have faith. And Jesus knows that when we listen to the voice of scarcity, faith in God is always reduced in our lives. Always. A reduced God leads to a reduced life. And he asks, is life not more than food? And the body more than clothing? Jesus sees the same circumstances we do. he, he, he He can do the math. Yet Jesus sees another reality that is pressing upon this one. Where we see a mountain, Jesus sees a highway. Where we see a bird in this passage, Jesus sees God's providential care. Where we see fields of lilies, Jesus sees a world charged with the the grandeur of God. And how does Jesus see this when we surely don't see it? I think the answer has to do with who Jesus is. It would be a mistake of history to reduce Jesus to just a spiritual sage or or the voice of some ancient moral prophet dispensing pithy sayings like like a Pez dispenser. The voice we hear in our scripture today, this morning, as Paul says, is the whisper of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things came into being things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things came into being. He's before all things and in all things, and he holds it all together. Jesus sees this whole other reality because he is the source of the reality. And when Jesus shows up, so does the kingdom of God. And when the kingdom shows up, reality is reordered and reoriented and and rediscovered. God does this many times in scripture. Out of nothing, God whispers, let there be light, and there's light. Put flesh on dry bones. Give victory through five stones. Receive water from a rock. Receive receive water from a rock. 
Feed the masses with five loaves and two fish. Save the world by making peace through the blood of a cross. Over and over and over again, this is what God is like. God makes the impossible possible. God takes scarcity and transforms it into abundance. So Jesus whispers, seek first the kingdom of God. And when we do, something happens. Y'all know what the kingdom of scarcity sounds like, feels like. The kingdom of scarcity says, our marriage can't endure what it's going through right now. But the kingdom of God whispers, there, there is a light that shines in the darkness. The kingdom of scarcity announces, God has abandoned you. The kingdom of God whispers, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The kingdom of scarcity proclaims, there, is not, there are not enough hours in the day. The kingdom of God whispers, come to me, all you who are weary, and I'll give you rest. The kingdom of scarcity screams at us, no one loves you, you will be alone forever. And the kingdom of God whispers gently, nothing shall separate you from the love of God. You know the kingdom of scarcity. The kingdom of scarcity swears there is not enough to feed everyone. The kingdom of God says, I'm the bread of life. The kingdom of God over and over again is this voice whispering this alternative reality of abundance. So seek first the kingdom of God. And where do we do this? Where do we learn this? Where do we do this? We learn it and we do this here. This grand lesson in God's abundance. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you as often as you eat of it, remember me. The same night he took the cup, he gave thanks to you, God, and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and drink This is my cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink of it, remember me. Let us pray. And so in memory of these mighty acts of abundance in Christ, we offer ourselves before you, God, as holy and living sacrifices, not clinging to our bodies and our time, and our money, and our energy as if they are ours, not lifting them out of the metal plate with the the red felt, but knowing there's more than enough, making ourselves sacrifices before you, God, who over and over and over again show us the abundance of your love. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts, of bread and juice, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. All honor and glory is yours, God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.